Beyond the Codes. What sets German coaching apart? By Jonathan Harding. Available from oakleybooks.co.uk and from Amazon. Chapter 1. Leidenschaft. Passion. Amateur football is like a circus on the streets. The Bundesliga is the Cirque du Soleil. Sasha Oxendorf. A week after making my debut for Bonner SC2, I made my second appearance, coming on after an hour with the score at 3-2. Admittedly, this is perhaps the worst time for a centre-back to come into a game, but even if my tactical understanding wasn't as sharp as some of the other lads, I had played in two teams before this one, my German was top, and I was fitter than I had ever been. What could possibly go wrong? We lost 7-4. I was overrun. My first touch under pressure remained wobbly and I was desperate not to lose the ball rather than to use it sensibly. I.e. not hopefully send a long pass in the direction of our strikers. In a very short space of time, my head coach, who arrived new to the team at the same time as I did, helped me panic less and play more. The goalkeeper became an option I actually remembered about in games. I started to notice when the pass through the midfield to the strikers worked and I grew the courage to try it. I felt what it was to be coached well. And while this is not a revelation, anyone who has benefited from strong coaching, be it on the football pitch, in the workplace or in life generally, will vouch for the immensely satisfying feeling of learning. It was, and always will be, a wonderful moment. Once I had woken up from childish dreams of how good I would have been had I sought out this level of coaching when I was much younger, I began to enjoy the basic human process of improving. The grind of cold Tuesday night training sessions became an addiction. My head coach, Sasha Oxendorf, was the most obsessed though. He was always there, even when it seemed there was no way he could be. Despite juggling parental responsibilities, working nights at a postal company at the airport, and studying, he was there, demanding the most from us. He tested us in new ways, thought up new drills, and was as honest as they come. I liked him straight away and not just because of his soft spot for the English. 16 games and 12 points later, Sasha was sacked. His emotional approach didn't always sit well with everyone in the changing room, but it was the results that saw him go. As the 37-year-old later told me, if you're successful, no one cares. The decision proved fruitless because at the end of the season we were relegated anyway, but it reminded me that even at the start, life is difficult for a coach. So the stories begin with Sasha, because his is the first step of every coach's career, whether more steps follow or not. I went back to meet Sasha before one of his evening shifts at the airport, where he still works. 
We sat down to talk about where and how life starts for a coach in Germany. It's an industry, the UPS idea. You're a number. When you're not there anymore, the next one comes, Sasha tells me. Much like Karl Marx's belief that everything centers on economics and how that leads to humans being treated as commodities by their employers, coaches and players suffer the same fate at the hands of management structures. How is it that in the world's greatest game, remarkable commodification of humans takes place? Even though I stopped playing, a broken metatarsal and more work at the weekends led to my demise, Sasha didn't stop coaching. Almost a year later, he joined SC Liesem 1990 in the Kreisliga T and guided them, a relegated side, to a respectable fifth place. After a poor preseason the following campaign, Sasha was once again without a job. During his time as my head coach at Bonner SC's reserve team in the lowly Kreisliga B of North Rhine-Westphalia, I saw firsthand in Sasha what I spent week in, week out, trying to understand as a journalist covering the Bundesliga, but rarely, if ever, got to see close up. The effort, the desperation, even the pressure. Because while amateur football remains a world away from the professional game, that base drug remains. Winning. That's the reason Sasha was sacked as head coach of Bonnet SC's reserve team. The team just wasn't winning enough. Four levels lower than the Bonn SC first team, the board, so I heard, were keen for the second team to play at a higher level so as to be of greater benefit to the main 11. Bonn SC were in the second division, north, in the 1976-77 season, but financial issues and their location for talent pinching have since seen them struggle to return to such heights. The first team recently earned promotion to the Regionalliga West, one of five fourth divisions. In 2017, they made the first round of the German Cup and gave a spirited display against Hanover before eventually succumbing to defeat. Now the first team is aiming for promotion to Germany's third division, one of the most complicated processes in German football. This table shows the league system for the Middle Rhine region and the Kreisliga setup for the Bonn district. The term Mittel Rheinliga is the name of the region's Verbandsliga, the fifth division. There are varying numbers of leagues in each division. When I played for Bonner SC's reserve team in the 2014-15 season, I played in the Middle Rhine region, Bonn district, Kreisliga B division, League One. There are nine local districts in the Middle Rhine region. Each one has a Kreisliga A to C setup with a varying number of leagues in each district. Some might have more Kreisliga C leagues than others, for example. Only six of the districts have Kreisliga D leagues. So, from top to bottom, third division, Regionalliga West, Mittel Rhineliga, Landesliga, two divisions, Bezirksliga, four divisions. Then we step into local district divisions. Kreisliga A, one division. Kreisliga B, two divisions. Kreisliga C, 
three divisions. Kreisliga D, three divisions. I never wanted to be a coach, says Sasha, whose playing career was curtailed by bad luck and injury. I could influence things as a player, but not as a coach. But I learned quickly that everyone could learn. I didn't want to consume, I wanted to create. Fortunately, the first club I was at gave me the support I needed. My first doubt was, who says I will be a success? It's always a case of doubt, questioning yourself and your techniques, feeling tense ahead of training. Sasha started coaching at FC Blauweiss Friesdorf's third team in Kreisliga C. Training on grass by the riverside, often with depleted numbers, he got them promoted, the success that eventually led to our paths crossing in Bonn. The easiest is when you get something to work with, says Sasha. So for example, you have someone who is crazy about being a centre-back, but has no idea what it means to be one, what kind of commitment they have to make to the team. For example, so many centre-backs want to dribble. They see space and want to bring the ball forwards, but they don't understand what they're breaking by doing so. They only see what they're doing well, moving the ball from A to B, 20 metres away from the goal. Really, they just have to put the machine in motion, he says, almost taking me back to our time together on the training ground when he helped me get better. And although he uses the words put the machine in motion, he never forgot that the cogs were human. But if you have a central defender who understands that, but can't put it into practice, but still tries in a game, then you recognise that and work from there if you're a good coach. You have to know. You can have some officials telling you what to pass on, of course, but you still need a basic level of quality in the individual. That's why Bundesliga coaching is so much easier than amateur football. You have a basis of quality. You only have to tighten the screws, and if your left back doesn't work, the next one comes in. The difference is that the opposition try to do the same, and then it's difficult again. Here, we focus on the player. What qualities have they got? What can I work with? And how can I help people make the right decision at the right time? While Sasha's claim that Bundesliga coaching is so much easier than the amateur game is perhaps a little too bold, anyone who has worked in the latter will know what he means by that statement. At that level, it is a hobby, not a job, although those lines often blur. More on that later. Sasha tells me that if football was forgotten tomorrow, he would create it and the world would be able to play the day after. Without knowing him, his unwavering confidence appears to be raw arrogance, but it's coming from a good place. He cares, and that's what helped us form a connection. I wanted to play for him because I knew he cared, even if sometimes he cared too much. There's nothing worse in life than when you're taught something wrong. Parents can spoil their children and head coaches can spoil their players, both the player and the person. You have to throw out the right people. You have to ask, is it them or their values? You can't bend your values just for him, Sasha tells me.
Across the top sports, there have been numerous examples of players being thrown out because their attitude didn't match the group. At that level, headlines are written and tournaments are decided on such decisions. But on the amateur stage, such a move is a move against someone's hobby, i.e. an activity done for someone's enjoyment. And that can prove tough. I used to flip out as a player, and then as a head coach I learned that just can't happen. As a player, you're one of 11, and if things go badly, it's on the head coach. But if you're the coach, and you're behaving badly, that can't be. I was always afraid of that. Sasha's comments throw up two aspects. One, if things go badly, it's on the head coach, is a further reminder of how aware players are about the pressure on the head coach even when they play badly. Two, the attention on the head coach is, whatever the level, immense. If I throw the bottle of water onto the ground and it breaks, how does that look? Is that seen the same way as a foul? Emotionally, the same feeling is behind both, but one has the opportunity to foul and the other doesn't. It's always difficult to find the balance between the two, Sasha says. It's fair to say Sasha didn't always get that balance right, but he's not alone. When Borussia Mönchengladbach equalised against Hoffenheim in October of the 2017-18 Bundesliga season, Hoffenheim head coach Julian Nagelsmann threw a water bottle in frustration, accidentally hitting a fan in the crowd. He later apologised and was issued a warning by the German FA. We are all human. Hearing Sasha speak so passionately about the job made me see the other side of it, the side I couldn't see as one of his players or on a Saturday when I was working as a journalist. It's the side so often forgotten. There's a Mats Hummels on the pitch and a Mats Hummels in private, just like there's a Sasha Oxendorf on the pitch and one in private, says Sasha. On the pitch, he's pushed into structures. If you fall out of those roles, then there are consequences, a red card and goodbye. You get annoyed for 10 seconds. I can't believe some professionals... They get a red card, but then they turn to the referee. You've already seen red, and then it takes 10 seconds, and then you leave the pitch. You don't have that as a head coach. The ref will come over sometimes. He'll say, be quiet. But sometimes you can be unlucky, and you can say something you don't want to, and you get sent behind the fence. It's the same in amateur football as it is in the Bundesliga. I was sent off in my first game. I was too loud. The ref had no tolerance for it. There's a fine line between passion and disrespect, and coaches at all levels tread it all the time. Former Bayer Leverkusen head coach Roger Schmidt was sent to the stands by the referee during a home defeat to Hoffenheim after he told Nagelsmann to shut up and called him a Spinner, the German word for weirdo or nutjob, although the word is more insulting than its English equivalent. Freiburg head coach Christian Streich came out in support of Schmidt, saying that coaches felt monitored, that everything was collated, and Schmidt was driven through the village like a sow. In other words, a big fuss was made. While there are no microphones or multiple television cameras at amateur level, 
escape is now easier to come by in the smartphone era. Sasha, who was back coaching in Kreisliga C with Godesberger Fußballverein 2006 when we met, is a motivator, and that can work for some more than others, particularly at amateur level when comfort is key and change is always questioned. I know I can connect with my players by communicating during the game, regardless of how, and so long as it's not an insult, then it can change things, he says. If it doesn't, you lose the game. Over time, I got to know refs and it became more acceptable. After all, there are no rules against noise level, he adds with a grin. I remember Sasha shouting at me once in a friendly we lost when the opposing defender kept doing all the things I should have been doing. That's how a centre-back plays, John. He roasted me at half-time in the changing room. It was tough, but it also motivated me. If my team could play well and I could say nothing, I would do it. But it won't happen. It's football. You need to perform at the highest level. It doesn't matter which team. It's part of it. Carlo Ancelotti might well be a quiet coach, but someone near him goes berserk, Sasha says. It's easy to dismiss the amateur game as unimportant, but it's where it all starts for everyone. Good teaching in the early stages of any development makes a huge difference to the end outcome. Often, actors recall their first teachers, musicians their first experiences with other musicians, writers the first books they read and felt empowered by. Football is no different. The difficulty at the beginning, though, is balance. Either people don't care, or they care too much. The problem with the amateur game is this balance between success and relaxation. There's no in-between. If the lads just want to meet up and have a kick around, then that's fine. But it's not for me, Sasha says without a hint of a joke. If I'm a high jumper and I can jump 1 meter 80, I don't just keep jumping 1 meter 40, do I? What does that do for me as a sports person? As a head coach, it's your job to give the players the chance to push the boundaries, in my eyes. I remember a striker I used to coach who shot us to promotion. He was young, really fast, but his technique was a bit wild. He struggled in one-on-one situations, but I recognised his passing game was great. So I told him, why don't you focus on playing a pass to the far post? Don't even look at the goalkeeper. He exploded. He did it in training, and that was it. He really enjoyed playing football and started to feel like a star because he kept scoring goals. It was great to see, and I thought, anyone can do that. Anyone can see that. Anyone can teach him how to develop. But apparently, not many can, Sasha says. Although my technical deficiencies would have been clear for any coach to see, Sasha was able to take his knowledge and transmit it in a way that allowed me to develop. The more people I spoke to, the more I was reminded of how having the knowledge is only half the task. The real art lies in transmitting it. The amateur game can never escape one issue. For some, it's a chance to stay fit and hang out with friends. But for others, it's a chance to get better, improve and be successful. For a head coach in the amateur game, particularly an ambitious one like Sasha, handling a squad with a mix of the two is one of the hardest things. Everyone starts a game the same way. 
Whether it's in the Kreisliga or the Champions League final, the same number of players, a ball, a pitch. The one difference is that one group gets millions for it, while the others only get a good feeling. And at some point, the good feeling isn't enough anymore, especially when you aren't winning, Sasha says. Sasha says he would be keen to know how head coaches work with fun because the base level of quality is there. So the question is, why isn't Mario Gomez playing at the moment? Or why isn't he scoring? Sasha asks. The reason why could possibly be personal, an issue some within the media often want to be the first to post about rather than the first to understand. That personal aspect, at amateur or professional level, remains a part of success or failure, whether it is acknowledged or not. In amateur football, you've still got your mates in the next game, training, whether you push the boundaries or not, Sasha says. The coach has to keep the mood high. Many at the amateur level do the job just to do it, without the intention of teaching. Some do it because someone has to, not because they want to train the players. All the time you have to remember you're an influence on people's lives. This is not football manager. It's real. If you get them to run and they pick up an injury, then it doesn't just affect your choices. It affects them. Even if my players don't believe me, their injuries are just the same as in the Bundesliga. So why should they put in less? If you go diving and you know that at 10, 20 metres, the pressure is so great that without help, you can't get there. You take the help. Why don't you do that in sport? You need conditioning, desire. You can't just rock up 10 minutes before the game, having not trained all week, and expect to play. For me, that's what made Sasha a good coach. He never treated it like a Sunday runaround after a big Saturday night out. He cared about the result, the training, the performance. Us. His way of showing that didn't always work for everyone, but he never wavered from who he was, and I respected that. Given his relationship with the game, it's no surprise either. At the age of 13, he was scouted by Bayer Leverkusen. He had a trial with 50 other players to join the youth team. Week by week, the numbers grew smaller, until three were left. Sasha was one of them. Following approval from his school, Sasha played in an international tournament in Nantes, France, where he impressed further. On the bus back, the head coach asked if anyone in the team would object to Sasha joining. It was a cool moment. I had proof that it wasn't just a football decision, but also a personal one, Sasha says, his face struggling to resist the joy the memory still gives him. Ahead of the new season, Leverkusen's youth coach changed and Sasha had to impress all over again. This time, it didn't work. There was no academy accommodation, and the moment attending all three training sessions became difficult, the Leverkusen chapter of his life was over. His reputation at youth level was still outstanding though, and soon he had a trial at SDF Tikkun. As a fan of the club, he thought it was fate that delivered him that chance. The pressure was on when he went to train with the team, but trialists played in a 25 versus 25 game, and naturally, no one was able to shine. Brief chats with Bruce Mönchengladbach soon after ended in nothing, and despite his talent, Sasha was left unattached. A frustrating year at Bonner ST followed, and despite impressing, he was released. 
Sasha believes he was released then for the same reason he was later dismissed as head coach of the club's second team, his emotional approach. Years spent playing at lower levels followed, and then Sasha received a serious injury to his knee, and eventually his chance slipped away. Then came the question from local team Friesdorf. A coach was needed for their third team. Was Sasha interested? You have to know what you're doing, understand the game and the solutions. Players often lack this, an overview, he says. More than that, you have to have social understanding. As a pro coach, it's a big advantage if you're a people person, if people can follow you. In amateur football, it's indispensable. You have to get people to work hard every day, and that's really tough. Having an assistant coach in amateur football is a luxury. Not everyone can love you, and you can't love everyone either. Amateur football is like a circus on the streets. The Bundesliga is the Cirque du Soleil. It's clear that Sasha never stopped believing he was good enough for the top, even though, as he recalls his story, there's a hint of frustration that he wasn't a younger teenager in today's world. I scored goals in my life. If they were on YouTube, I would have a billion clicks. There was one in the under-19s. Our goal kick bounced into the opposition half. I had the defender behind me. I looked into the middle of the pitch where I wanted to play the ball, but it was tight. I was 50-odd metres away from the goal. No one was in the middle of the pitch, but I had already made the move, so I took the shot anyway, and it went straight into the top corner. I couldn't believe it. Had that been today, it would have been on YouTube, straight in focus, and then a few stepovers later, and you're the next Messi. Today, they're in academies, like in RB Leipzig, where if you do things wrong, you're out. That's the right way to select. Not, you can't afford it, so you can't do it. You don't do that in school. Everyone in Germany has the right to A-levels, but not everyone had the chance to be a Bundesliga footballer. Whoever fit into the system worked. With 50 players brought in, there were just too many. There was not enough inspection. There were a few good players there, but even if there hadn't been, 50 were picked again next year. After winning the World Cup in 1990, the feeling was that everything was working. But we saw my generation wasn't any good. They all came afterwards, Sasha says. A man whose life is made up of a patchwork of brilliant stories, Sasha recalls another, about the former Bundesliga player Marcel Njeng, to highlight how fine the line is between HD Sundays on Sky Sports and cold Sundays down the park with a crowd of three people and an uninterested dog. He and his brother used to play against me in the district game. Whoever played better out of us won the game. One time it was them, the next it was us. He went on to play international football for Cameroon and found a head coach, Jos Luhukai, who liked him. And I coached Friestoff in Kreisliga D, Sasha says, matter-of-factly. And Jeng drove past in Friestoff in his big open-top car once and chatted. I wrote to him that it would be great if he could come to training and how much the lads would love it. I never heard from him. Back then he was a top guy, but what gives him the right when others have invested just as much, if not more? It's a game of luck. I joked with Sasha that had he made it, we would never have met. His reply summed him up perfectly. We would have, just in the mix zone after the game, 
he said with a grin, before adding, his smile disappearing almost as quickly as it had appeared. But then I wouldn't have had my daughter either, so... Sasha doesn't have a coaching badge. I only found out when we spoke. Never once did I doubt his coaching ability or think it was lacking the necessary quality. Let's put it like this, he said. If you have a driving license, then you can drive a car. But the license doesn't just allow you to drive. It also teaches you how to. I never had that with football. Football is me. I don't need someone telling me it's that way. I asked about getting the UEFA B license. Sasha said he was interested, but that he felt his personality hinders him from being given a chance. If you're with someone who drives like a madman, but you know they have a license, what can you do? Everything's kosher. If he didn't have one, you'd ask them to drive slower, or say, Did you see that sign? It's exactly the same in football. If someone doesn't like you, then they don't want to spend time with you three times a week. From Kreisliga R onwards, you don't have that anymore. It's about success and performance. If you go with your gut, then you're vulnerable. It's not easy, and that's why I often have problems. How do you answer people who say, Why did you do it that way? They don't believe you because you don't have a badge. Criticism arises from the team more quickly. Sasha would likely be presented with some of those answers if he were to take his badges. I hope he will one day. Germany offers one of the best coaching educations in the world, and after all he did for me, I think about the coach he could become if his mind was filled with even more football. Chapter 1 Key Lesson even at the lowest level of the game, Sasha was able to make a difference as a head coach because he was passionate about it. While caring deeply is not a uniquely German trait, passion is a necessary ingredient for any teacher or coach. If people care about their work, they will always be more productive than those who care about the reward and tend to get the reward as a result of their passion. Sasha was willing to reschedule his life, work and family so that he could make us better footballers, perhaps in the hope we might learn something as humans as a result. Half of the German word for passion, Leidenschaft, means to suffer. Leiden. Half of doing what you love is suffering, hurting for it. Sasha did that for us in the hope we do the same for him. At the amateur level or not, a good feeling isn't enough at some point especially when you aren't winning. Growth becomes paramount. Mensch, Beyond the Cones is available from ockleybooks.co.uk and from Amazon. Amazon.